Chamber pay-per-view event or WWE Network event, whatever you want to call it nowadays. So uh, I went back in time and I took a look at all the past Elimination Chamber cards, and one of them really stood out for me because it was a time I really enjoyed watching wrestling. And that was in 2014, the early year, early 2014, and uh, the Elimination Chamber uh, event that year produced some really great matches, some culminations, and some great feuds. Um, the the highlight of uh, the whole time being the growing yes movement. Um, you know, Daniel Bryan was on the rise. Um, the fans were revolting against booking decisions. It was a crazy time. It was crazy to see how the fans really kind of took control and said, hey, this is who we want. Um, with the whole Bautista movement and the whole, like I said, yes movement. And I'll never forget the Raw with Daniel Bryan and the fans surrounding the ring and doing all the yes chants. Really cool stuff. Um, other really historic stuff for this event. Uh, this was the last WWE pay-per-view that was not on the WWE Network. The WWE Network, I believe, it debuted with WrestleMania 30, if I'm not mistaken. Um, another big thing, NXT Arrival was the following Thursday after this pay-per-view. So I, I always feel like that's when NXT, as we know it, really, really began. So big, it's a monumental thing for the Performance Center and all the NXT guys. Um, this was Christian's last pay-per-view match, an event in WWE. It was the culmination of the Shield-Bray Wyatt feud. And like I said earlier, it was the height of Bautista. And we're heading towards the apex of the Yes Movement at WrestleMania 30. So let's get into it. Uh, match opens. We don't do pre-show here, only main card. Match opens with the Intercontinental Championship match. Jack Swagger, who is uh, being escorted to the ring by Zeb Coulter. I see Bones. Bones produces this show. I see him shaking his head back there at Jack Swagger. I know that um, the third man is a Jack Swagger fan, as am I. I always enjoyed his absurd patriotic character. Um, it's funny because his gimmick at this time, which was, you know, the whole um, the Zeb Coulter was the thing they did all the time. The uh, yeah, the Pledge of Allegiance. But what would they call Bones? Come here. Help me out real quick. What was it called when they did that? They would always say, we the people. We the people. Thank you. We the people. We the people. I was drawing a complete complete uh, brain fart there. No, the we the people. And it's funny when you listen to Coulter talk and he's talking about illegals crossing the walls and everything. And if you really think about it, this is 2014. This gimmick was probably two to four years ahead of its time. This whole uh, 
I'm a stereotypical Donald Trump supporter gimmick. I, would, I always wonder how this gimmick would uh, go over now. I would they even would touch a gimmick like this now. Despite all that, Jack Swagger, fantastic wrestler, fantastic collegiate wrestler, fantastic worker, um, was known maybe to have some attitude issues backstage that kept him down at times, but former world heavyweight champion. And I enjoyed his time with the company. And this match against Biggie, Biggie, who was the champion, the Intercontinental Champion, pre-New Day, no Kofi, no Xavier. Uh, this match against Biggie was really one of the better matches on this card. Both these guys can really work in the rain. It gives uh, it gives some real um, some real pull to my thought that Big E could be in the main event scene and should be in the main event scene. They keep teasing this New Day Daniel Bryan feud and this or in particular Big E versus uh, Daniel Bryan feud and they should really go in that direction because this match proves along with all his matches that he's done with the New Day over the years that he can be trusted in a big spot in a big match they can put on big performances and big time performances and look really good in the rain and make his opponents look really good and these guys are two big guys that really know how to work um, there was one moment where there was a spear right through the ropes man and, and damn they just these two big bodies going flying through the ropes and having no care for you know how big they are and how much more it hurts when you land on the floor like that. Great stuff. Guys are working really hard. I'd love to see maybe Jack Swagger consider AEW and maybe get himself going over there again. Um, great finishing sequence to the match. Uh, Big E pin Swagger for the end. A solid opening match. Um, it also showed a lot of Jack Swagger fans in the crowd for this match. Definitely had a cult-like following when he was in WWE. Um, also very easy to hate to, as Bones' head shake proved to me earlier. After this match, we had the first of what were many Bad News Barrett segments, where he gives the whole audience a little bit of bad news. This Bad News Barrett thing really reminded me of how much WWE dropped the ball on Wade Barrett, because that guy could have been a top-of-the-card heel for years. And for whatever reason, I just feel like if he didn't get the best creative or or what but I thought he was a good wrestler that could really talk and uh, some of these bad news Barrett segments were kind of funny this one was kind of lame and for the most part I barely remember what it was um, there was then a vignette I want to talk about between the corporate Kane corporate Kane and Daniel Bryan and their feud this was a fantastic feud Kane is just like Daniel Bryan and he can get the audience to turn on him at any second and then love him again at any second for me, that's like the sign of a great worker in general, a great wrestler in general. You know, when somebody has that sort of power over an audience, you cannot deny their greatness. And you'll never be able to deny them a spot on programming because they're always going to put themselves in a relative situation. And that's why Kane has been, was so relevant for all those years. Even without winning titles all the time, he was always relevant and he was always a professional and doing the corporate Kane thing against Daniel Bryan. He was just fantastic. Um, and it really helped elevate Daniel Bryan. This is one of the most over face runs, I think in the history of pro wrestling that Daniel Bryan was in at this time. So there's more about Daniel Bryan. We'll talk about later with the elimination chamber match, um, which was for, the, uh, for the for the WWE Championship, but first we got to talk about the tag team championship match. It's 2014. If I were to tell you that the New Age Outlaws were in their sixth WWE tag team title reign, would you tell me I was crazy? I'd tell you I was crazy. 
but I'm not, not crazy. The New Age Outlaws went into this match as the tag team champions, and they were going against the Usos. The Usos were still doing the Samoan thing, but this was really the start of their ascent to the top of the card. Uh, they didn't win the match, but they, they were, by March 3rd, which was, I think, a week later or a week or so later after this pay-per-view, they had beaten the Outlaws on Raw, and they would go on to be the tag team of the year in WWE in 2014 and the tag team of the year in 2015. It took them four years to get to the mountaintop. So just think about that when we talk about how we're not pushing wrestlers sometimes or why we're holding these people back. Sometimes it takes a while. You know, the Usos are undoubtedly one of the best tag teams in WWE, one of the best tag teams in the world. And it took them four years to finally reach the mountaintop. And they haven't let it go. They're still there. You know, Jimmy got in a little trouble this week, and we'll see where that lands him. But in terms of wrestling talent, you know, I thought they looked great on. I'll just take it aside in the SmackDown real quick. Um, for those of you that are listening, this was after I recorded this after the SmackDown that was the go home to Elimination Chamber, 2019, and they had new opponents to feud against with Shane McMahon and the and the Miz, and it felt fresh and it felt good again. I think the Usos, as long as they have fresh opponents and fresh characters to go after and, and spit their game against. They're always going to be over and always going to be relevant. And this was the beginning of that, this match, when we go back to Elimination Chamber 2014. Um, they said they didn't win the match, but they won the titles to, about a week or so later over an all-time great tag team. You couldn't ask for anything better. I have to make a little aside with this tag team match. Uh, it was the first, this is, uh, during this match, we got the first of what was a few CM Punk chants. We were right in the CM Punk chant era during this time. Punk had left, I believe, just a month prior. So the fans were still uh, fans were still a little hot over it. Um, I can't stand the CM Punk chants personally. I don't know why you would chant for a guy who obviously doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to come and entertain you in the ring. So why do some people still last? I think the last audience actually heard cheer for him was the Saudi Arabian audience, which I found absolutely hilarious because it just proves my theory that Saudi Arabia is five to 15 years late on all things professional wrestling. After the tag title match, we got some more bad news. <laughs> Mr. Barrett comes out and this was the best piece of bad news. And it was a very interesting moment during this piece of bad news. He started going after the Yes Movement, which was growing. Uh, the Yes Movement, of course, being borne by the fans who were upset that Daniel Bryan was being demoted for Batista. Um, WWE, of course, did everything possible to not listen to the fans. That's what they do at first. And we were still in February and still a good couple, a month or so away from Mania. Um, so they send Wade Barrett out to do a promo against the Yes Movement from his podium. And he calls the fans fickle of all terms. Um, I found that quite interesting, considering fickle is Daniel Bryan's new favorite word, the new Daniel Bryan's new favorite word. And I wonder if he lifted that from Barrett during that Yes promo, that, that Yes Movement promo. Just interesting stuff. Let's move on to the next match. Titus O'Neil took on Darren Young, the primetime players they had recently broken up. Titus turned heel. And as I watched this match, all I kept thinking to myself was, man, Titus should be a heel again. He was way better as a heel, way more entertaining. His whole shtick was more entertaining. He's not a bad wrestler, not a great wrestler, not a bad wrestler. Let him do what he's good at. 
I, I get that he's like Titus the super face and he does all the stuff in the community, but like, that's, come on, it's realistic. We know it's a work. Yeah. I've seen Stephanie McMahon do be a star campaigns and then come out and be like the queen bitch of all bitches in the history of bitch universe. So if that could be the case, then Titus O'Neil could be a heel again and still do his work. Uh, not a bad match. Darren Young, I always thought was a, was a solid worker, you know, a solid wrestler, nothing great. Local guy from New Jersey. Whoop, whoop. Um, a good match, anticlimactic ending. You know, you would have seen more near falls, more storytelling, and that's uh, more like storytelling in that sense. But it wasn't bad for the time they had. So, so Titus got to win the match, and after the match, we got yet another bit of bad news. <laughs> <laughs> At this on um, this bit of bad news, he amongst some of the stuff coming out of his mouth, he was better than Hulk Hogan, um, and that Hulk Hogan was you know fake and full of it. Of course, Hulk Hogan was announced as the host of WrestleMania 30, so Wade Barrett got the riff against Hogan. Nothing was done storyline wise with him, and that was part of the issue with Wade Barrett. He always had some just outside of Nexus had some rough stories and rough creative to work with. Uh, I think he could have been so much more, but. You know, maybe he'll be back one day. Maybe he'll end up in AEW. Who knows? Um, so usually I don't review pre-show matches, but um, they went back during the card and talked about the pre-show. And it's interesting. An interesting character was on the pre-show. He is a man who is very, very huge in pro wrestling today and not in WWE. Why I'm talking none other than Cody Rhodes, who, uh, by the way, was over with the audience in this match quite over and uh, him and gold dust beat Ryback and Curtis Axel. I believe they went by Axel or something really stupid like that. This match for some inexplicable reason was on the pre-show for some inexplicable reason. Cody Rhodes was on the pre-show and you know, it's no wonder why he left to try to do it himself. He obviously wasn't being utilized where he, where he needed to be. Why not? I'm sure there would. Why is he not on the main show? Who knows? On the main card? Who knows? That being said, he's off the greener pastures now, uh, literally. And <laughs> we look forward to seeing what he does in AEW in the next year. Let's go on to what was the match of the night, uh, the culmination of the Shield and Wyatt family feud. Uh, it all started when the Wyatts cost for this chapter release all started when the Wyatts cost the shield a spot in the elimination chamber match on a prior television taping. Uh, at the time, Ambrose was the U S champion and he was starting to turn heel and there was some friction between him and Roman Reigns leading up to this match. So it's kind of, you get towards the, the, uh, you get into the breakup of the shield. Now, um, this reminded me also this match of how much I enjoyed the Wyatt family. Uh, it makes me wonder if Rowan aligned with Daniel Bryan is a foreshadowing of some sort of Bray Wyatt, Daniel Bryan reunion down the road. Since they all kind of have this, uh, elitist cult vibe to them, you know, for lack of a better description, it just, I think about it and it makes sense putting them together to me. Uh, this match was a huge deal. It was a big fight feel. The whole audience was into it. You got the Shield out there, who are future Hall of Famers, all three of them. Um, the, the two best factions since the Nexus. Um, the Wyatt family was at their absolute creepiest. 
Um, this was when they were at their hottest. This is when they should have strapped Bray Wyatt with the title. This they they kind of missed a window on it, um, or at least had him had him uh, be some sort of transition champion or some someone to take down Daniel Bryan after Daniel Bryan uh, had to vacate the title. Uh, as I said, a big fight feel. There were this was an awesome chance before the bell even run. Um, a couple of observations from the match. The first one is not, not literally, but figuratively. Where the fuck is this Roman Reigns? Because this, this Roman Reigns in this match would whoop Brock Lesnar's ass, man. I could believe that. Like he was on fire. He was fighting hard. He was fighting tough. He just he had the look of a killer in his eyes, and there was no doubt, you know, that he was, you know, like an assassin, like, and he was out to win wrestling matches and win championships. I don't like the super baby face shtick they try to give him now. I want to see this Roman Reigns when he comes back from his uh, cancer treatment. I think we all want to see this Roman Reigns. I think he's capable of it. I think he deserves a chance to do it. I think we will realize that how WWE is trying to push some push on is not working. So bring back what has worked a little bit and let him roll with that. Um, on top of that is where the fuck is this Dean Ambrose? Cause he was also equally as awesome during this time. And he's kind of been a little stale. Obviously it looks like he's leaving the promotion. So that might have something to do with his character being kind of off right now. Also looking at this is where the fuck is Bray Wyatt? Why is he not wrestling right now? Why are they holding him off TV? They could use him, definitely use him on SmackDown. I could totally see him coming in and just kind of inserting himself into that mid-card scene and wreaking freaking havoc. Um, this was an awesome, awesome six-man tag match. Great storytelling. Great spots. The crowd was split right down the middle. I was real invested in this feud at this time when it was going down. Um, this one, the Daniel Bryan ascent, was I was really invested in. You could tell that I have a feeling I didn't look back at the cards and the house show cards, but I would think these guys were facing each other a lot, a lot in house shows leading up to it because they worked really fluidly in the ring with each other. Just hard work and an NXT vibe, the match, like a really good NXT six man tag match vibe. Even someone like Rowan, who was like probably the least talented in terms of straight wrestling of the six, he put in a solid performance. He played his part perfectly. Um, Luke, uh, Luke Harper jumped through the ropes at one point. Seth Rollins flipped over the ropes. The place was going, the, the roof was coming off. Ambrose and Wyatt went off in the crowd towards the end of the match. Um, only Bray Wyatt returned. They then, um, they then killed Seth Rollins by throwing him through the Spanish announce table. And great storytelling. Eliminate one guy, eliminate the next guy, finish off the big dog, Roman Reigns. Um, a couple awesome moments in this match. Uh, he did kick out of the first sister, Abigail, which brings me to the point. Why can't he ever kick out of F5s like that? Why? Why does it have to be the same match every time he faces Brock? Come on. Um, any part of this gimmick that involves being a nice guy, Roman needs to go. That's what I took away from this match. Um, obviously, Reigns was rocket strapped after leaving the Shield. He's had multiple title reigns. He's been multiple WrestleMania main events. Um, Rollins has had one of the top WrestleMania moments of all time since then. You know, at WrestleMania 31, about a year later, when he cashed in that briefcase. Ambrose has been solid for the company, multiple championship reigns, mid card. 
and uh, and WWE title reign. Looks like he's out the door. I'm sure he'll be back one day. Another match on the card, Divas Championship match. AJ Lee, one of the uh, few bright spots of the women's division back then, defending her title against Cameron. One of the was just absolutely awful. This was a terrible match. It was even more terrible because Tamina was involved. She was pretty bad back then. She looked cooler back then, at least, but she still wasn't very good. Uh, AJ was 252 days into her title reign at this point. That title reign went on and on and on and on. There was no real credible challenger to her. This was in a time before Becky Lynch and before Charlotte Flair and before Ronda Rousey. So she was kind of like, and she was good, but she wasn't as good as what we have now. So she did a good job carrying division as best she could. Uh, there was some more bad news as Barrett cut a heel promo for the network. Okay. The network debuted the next day, of course. Uh, and then we had Batista versus Alberto Del Rio. Um, this was deep in deep into the uh, era of Batista. Uh, his, he was he was kind of an innocent bystander to the Yes movement. He came in. They had a plan for him. It's not what the audience wanted to see. They were vocal about it. I don't think it's anything Batista did. Um, there was also the CM Punk chance during this time. Um, this is a time where you could understand where CM Punk would be happy with his place in the company. Uh, we know a lot more now about the CM Punk fiasco. Uh, Batista never had a chance of getting over during this run. He just couldn't have picked the worst time for his return. It just is not, no one had any interest in getting invested in him. As far as wrestling fans are concerned, he was a part-time talent taking up a full-time wrestler spot on the card. And, you know, I was right there with the with the audience. I didn't like seeing Batista then. Uh, also, of course, Del Rio was in this match. Del Rio was a solid worker. Um, I know he's been back and forth from WWE over the years. I'd love to see him back again because I always think he's a great heel. And there's never there's always a shortage of great heels, it seems like. Um, this match even had We Want Lesnar chance. So it shows you how far we've come in in our uh, in our liking of pro wrestlers. Uh, Batista won after Batista bomb. He had already won the Rumble uh, the month before and was set to challenge Randy Orton for the title. That's how he became number one enemy of the Yes movement. Of course, uh, Daniel Bryan would work his way into that title match, too. We'll talk about that later. Let's move on to the main event of the night. It was the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. In this match, you had Randy Orton, the retaining champion, as soon as walking around with both belts. You had Daniel Bryan. You had John Cena. You had Christian in his final WWE pay-per-view match. And Cesaro and Sheamus, who, ironically enough, started this match. This was, of course, before the bar. Um... This match was all about Daniel Bryan. Anytime Daniel Bryan was on television during this time, it was about Daniel Bryan. Anytime Daniel Bryan wasn't on television during this time, it was about Daniel Bryan. He was so over. Here's a guy, he just took the bull by the horns. He said, this is my fucking company, my promotion. That's my championship. I'm coming for it. I got the fans behind me. You're not going to stop me. A couple things come to my mind during this match. One, how ironic Cesaro and Sheamus together starting off the match was. Um, also, the Cesaro-Zeb Coulter pairing, it never made sense to me back then. 
Uh, it doesn't make sense to me now. I mean, Cesaro's fucking Swiss. Why would he do this We the People movement when he's fucking Swiss? You're not fucking fooling anybody. Ridiculous pairing. Um, Cesaro was awesome in this match. Uh, he had a segment where he swung Orton, I believe, 30 times. Ungodly strong man. <laughs> awesome performance for him. Um, he, he also There was also a killer spot during this match of DB hitting a suplex on Cesaro while having Sheamus in a leg lock. He was an absolute baller during this time. Sheamus had a pretty uh, memorable segment with Randy, Randy York during this match where he broke kicked up the, him into the glass. Um, the first pin of the match came after Christian pinned Sheamus off a frog splash from the top of the chamber pod after he was caught running away from Sheamus. Uh, not much longer after that, Daniel Bryan pinned Christian with a running knee. Um, this was kind of a slow burn, this whole feud with Daniel Bryan. I'm going to do some history before I keep going. It all started at SummerSlam 2013 when Daniel Bryan when Orton cashed in the briefcase on Daniel Bryan starting to feud. Orton was Triple H's guys when the authority started. Um, just a lot of angst from the audience was coming through by this point. You could really feel it then. Daniel Bryan did a great job playing off, and I just can't say it enough after you know watching this match and continuing to watch this match. Uh, Cesaro at one point, German suplex, Daniel Bryan, and John Cena. Another just awesome performance or awesome spot from him in the match. He eventually, though, did tap out to the STF. Um, towards the end of the match, the Wyatt family inserted themselves back into the picture. Uh, they attacked John Cena and Daniel Bryan. They had a huge night this night. They beat the Shield. They started a, a feud with John Cena that put him in a with Bray Wyatt in a big match with Cena at WrestleMania. Uh, after the attack on Cena, Orton pinned John Cena. Um, and then Randy hit Daniel Bryan with an RKO, which he kicked out of, and the place went absolutely bonkers. Uh, it was just a part, the, part of a great story in this match with tons of great spots. Orton would eventually hit another RKO, and the authority and, the authority and Orton would get the win. A great win for Orton. It made Daniel Bryan's WrestleMania 30 win that much sweeter. I mean, that payoff was just awesome. It was some great long-term storytelling at its finest. And a really great time in wrestling. And it's a time I'm really, ex- really excited to be a wrestling fan. I was really excited to watch Daniel Bryan. And I just want to see more of this more often. So... That about wraps up the um, the card itself. My match tonight was Shield versus the Wyatt family with the Elimination Chamber match coming next. Uh, Swagger and Big E third, New Age Outlaws and the Usos fourth, Batista Del Rio fifth, Titus DY sixth, AJ Cameron seventh. If you have enjoyed listening to Kayfabe Classics, make sure you listen before every major pay-per-view or I post a review for the, pay- the coinciding pay-per-view that we are leading up to. Uh, of course, WrestleMania, we're not going to do one for Fastlane because that has been around long enough, but WrestleMania is next. And I'll let you know, actually, right now, so there could be some excitement built. Shut WrestleMania the 10. fuck up oh with your bullshit stuff. Listen here, Doc. I don't want to hear this anymore. Your show blows all about Sparky Singles Run. That's right. I cut in on your thing to cut a promo. 
<clears throat> so the next kayfabe classics will center around wrestlemania and we're going to do wrestlemania 10 and wrestlemania 20 actually i think smarky was at wrestlemania 10 so maybe he can be a special guest on that one i'm already the special guest you're already a big piece of shit thanks for thanks for interfering with my show anyways that being said check us out on patreon this is our this is a patreon exclusive show uh, you can go to patreon.com backslash fourth wall cast to sign up to be a full time member of the fourth wall fam. Do it, you can or hear I'll four- interrupt your life. Oh, like I my God. You, hey, uh, if you're going to keep talking, talk about your show. So, also, a Patreon show is Smarky Singles Run, where I make fun of Johnny Bones and Doc Haas and also talk about the yellow brands and also. So 205 Live. The purple brand. Yeah, the purple brand. <laughs> and of course, the original fourth wall wrestle guest is every Saturday afternoon on Anch- through on Wrestle Addict Radio through anchor.fm. You don't even know where the show is posted. I just said where the show was posted. Yeah, but you today, Junior. Hey, whatever happens. Anyways. Have a good one, and see you soon. Yeah!